Welcome to episode number seven of the Creative Percussion Podcast. My name is Justin Mason, and with me today is Mr. Seth Kilburn. How are you doing? Excellent. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being on. So my favorite question, and I always lead off with this question because I like hearing the different answers, is because this is the Creative Percussion Podcast, what is the one thing that Creative Percussion makes or made that never leaves your kit? Uh, I would have to say my set of hex stacks. I've got a set of nine inch hex stacks that doesn't matter what the, the gig is, even if it's my jazz gig with my quartet, it's yeah. going with me. Um, right. And if I'm setting it up, I'm hitting it. So that is, that's, that's got to go everywhere I go. Yeah, that's my, that's my mentality. And that's why for me, I've kind of minimalized my setup lately because here lately I just do kind of country or worship. And so with worship and stuff like that, you need minimal stuff. So my, my setup has kind of decreased throughout the years. Yeah. I, I had, well, you know, that dream kit when you're in high school or middle mm-hmm. school. And, you know, I'm from the age and the era of, uh, you know, Quiet Riot, Rush, and yep. Van Halen. And, of course, as a kid, you just dream of those great big monster kits. And for a long time, I had a Pearl Export with the original rack and cymbals and took it to college. And, of course, you know, all my buddies are like, dude, what, what are you doing with that many drums? <laughs> And I still had a large kit even up till about a year ago. And I finally got to the point where I'm like, you know, I'd rather have more sounds as opposed to more drums. Yeah. I'm just hauling crap, you know? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Big drum kits are good to have. If you have a drum tech, they're not so fun <laughs> if you don't have a drum tech. Right. Or if it's 2am <laughs> and you're having to hump out your own gear. That's exactly. No yeah, yeah. I noticed that when I, when I joined cover bands, that was another time that my kit kind of shrunk was when, you know, two, three AM you're loading out of the bar and you're like, dang, I gotta make an hour, hour and a half drive. Yeah. And we usually, you know, my, my bandmates and I, uh, you know, we're all pretty, I mean, we're good friends, so we help each other. So if right. someone's kind of like lollygagging, it could be three thirty before you're walking out of the bar for that hour drive, hour and a half yeah. drive. You're like, Oh man. And I don't know about you, but it takes me a long time to recover anymore. Oh yeah. I mean, I'm only 32, but I mean, I played, uh, I played a full weekend at my church uh, a couple of weeks ago and I was like, man, why am I so sore? But I mean, we did five or six, we did a five or six song set on Friday night. And then, you know, we had Saturday to kind of rest, but then Sunday we had four songs and stuff like that. So it's like, dang, you know, just 10 songs in the past two days. And I'm, soars everything (laughs) right (laughs) yeah takes its toll it does so what is one thing that you know now that you wish you had known when you first started playing drums uh that i didn't have to go to school to do it um i mean i tell people you know i'm a drummer but really i'm i'm truly a i'm a classically trained percussionist i went to school for music education and music performance mm-hmm. and i don't regret that decision but uh i grew up in a time where i thought that's what you had to do and i 
uh, encourage my kids if they if they really want to play music just just play music you can go to school if you want to but man if i had known that i i, I think i would have taken a, a much different life path than i have yeah that makes sense i mean i i've been playing music since i was 13 and i've never taken a lesson or anything and that's something that i i told a lot of my students was you don't have to go to school for it. Experience, unlike a, a nine to five, experience is your friend. You know, a lot of nine to fives, you have to have a bachelor's bachelor's degree or some sort of degree. With music, experience is your friend. Oh, for sure. You know, and I've had some friends that have gone on to play full-time professionally. And, you know, and there's a fair amount of us that have, you know, we play professionally on the side, mm -hmm. but, you know, we're, we're educators. But, uh, you know, had I known that, you know, who knows, uh, you know, and again, I don't regret these life choices. I've, I've had 25 wonderful years as an educator yep. and had wonderful students, but uh, I've had some, some of my students that have gone on. I'm just keep going. Don't worry about school. Keep going, yep. you know, and they've been successful in that light too. So what got you into education? What made you kind of flip that switch? Uh, well, I mean, I wanted to be a rock and roll star, just like of we course. all do, right? Yeah. You know, um, and my parents were supportive of that, but they 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 said we have one simple request: have that backup plan. Mm -hmm. You know, which is I think every parent's uh, nightmare is like, what what are they going to do if it doesn't happen? And so I knew I still wanted to be in music, so I I went into education, and I started teaching lessons, and I started doing drum lines, and uh, mm -hmm. started arranging for people. And I found that as I was working with kids, I, I really enjoyed it. And at even at the outset, I didn't suck. Uh, I wasn't great, but uh, yeah, I didn't suck at it. And then when I got my my job here, and I saw what I could do uh, for and with kids for their lives and culturally, uh, it's pretty hooked, you know. And uh, I mean, I'd still wouldn't mind going out on the road when I retire, but I also imagine at 55, that's not real smart either. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I don't want to say I always wanted to be a band director because I didn't, I wanted to be, a, I want to be a rock and roller. Right. And uh, thankfully I get the best of, of both worlds. You know, the, the playing keeps me sane um, with my different groups and then the teaching keeps me well grounded. And I try and take as much, when I play out on gigs, I try and bring it back, even if it's funny stories or interacting with people about how to be professional or how to be a good human in public, mm -hmm. things like that. So it's not always just music. It's it's some life stuff that I try and teach, too. Yeah, and that's that's so important. I know uh, for the few years that I taught drumline, I always tried to instill in my in my kids, do what's right. You know, and that's that's a simple life lesson that has nothing to do with music, that Correct. has nothing to do with, you know, drumming or anything, but it's it's the simplest thing that you can do. It, it really is, you know, and that was one of my early rules, you know, along those lines, do what's right. It was, yep. if you don't think you should, don't. If you don't yep. think you should toss that drumstick across the room, then don't do it. Yeah. Um, and that served me well, and it served my students well. You know, the other one was, uh, if you're on time, you're late. And yeah. I've got students that are now in their 40s and they're like, I still remember that. I still, I tell my employees that. It's like, yeah, it's not always about music. 
Yeah. That's one of my mentors has always said that same thing. You know, if you're on time, you're late. Yeah. <laughs> so I love yeah. that. Yeah. So it's, as it's go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. No, go, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just going to say you're, you're, uh, you're uh, dealing with people's time and I always try mm-hmm. to be respectful of people's time. Like I try to be early, but I try to start my rehearsals on time. I try mm-hmm. to end them on time yep. because other people have other things to do. So, right. you know, so as a drummer, what was your biggest failure? And, and I hate to use that word because we always learn from our failures, but what was your biggest failure and what did you take away from that experience that helped you grow? Um, I, th- I think the, my biggest failure was I was trying to uh, work my way in um, to to a band that was kind of on the way up in the northern Michigan area. And I'd done a fill-in gig. And uh, I think I was a little too nosy and too pushy. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it kind of humbled me because I thought that I was truly the best guy for the job they would had some other guys play <clears throat> and they weren't bad but i i think i was a little too big for my britches so you know my biggest takeaway is still if somebody calls me to to fill in uh or do studio work or whatever that i i always try to get as much information so that i'm prepared but then i also am, am very humble um right down to the fact and i know that some people would disagree with this and that's okay i ask them how i want my they want the drums to it mm-hmm. you know i'm you're you're asking me to play for you so you're yeah. you're hiring me uh if you want them to sound like 70s uh you know single-headed times i'll do that yeah. if you want them to sound wide open so i try to be much more malleable and much more uh, uh flexible you know what do you want what can you do you know so that Hopefully that's how I get the call back. I'm prepared. I'm humble. I'm easy to work with. Um, but yeah, that was pretty humbling. You know, that was a gig that I really, really wanted to be in because I knew they were they were headed someplace, and uh, you know they passed me over for somebody else. Yeah, that's always unfortunate. I remember the first gig that I had when I got back into music um, was a band called Seven Seasons, and I played about a year with them. And I thought we were fixing to go somewhere. And all of a sudden, they called me and said, hey, we're going a different direction. And I was out of a gig, you know. And so that's, it's always, like you said, it's humbling, but it's also, it, it just sucks. Oh, you know, because yeah. you get your hopes up, especially being with them for a year. You know, it, it man. Yeah, that's, that's tough, especially when it's out of the blue. Mm-hmm. You know, I think... I, it, it was my own misstep, you know, through my own, I guess, you know, arrogance, yeah. um, but also being a little too overzealous, but like, you know, in your case, that's, you put time in, you put, yeah. you put hours behind the kit, hours behind the pad, listening to the tunes, whether they're original or cover, it doesn't matter. And then all of a sudden you're just like, and it makes, I don't know, it would really make me question what the heck, what did I miss? I'm, I tried my best, you know? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that, that, you're right. It just sucks. It does. So what are the best resources that have helped you along the way, whether it be a website, a book, you know, whatever the case is? Oh, uh, let's see. My best and favorite resources still are, are some old school print. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and 
part of it's age. Part of it is there's just so much to, you know, you can scroll and scroll and scroll right. content. Um, so uh, George Lawrence Stone's stick control book, mm-hmm. you know, you can use it so many ways, pad, uh, drum set, you can use it on keyboards, you know, um, another one, uh, I love, uh, I'm a huge Carl Palmer fan. Uh, and so his book applied rhythms is, is another good resource. Jim Chapin's advanced studies for the modern drummer, uh, have been big in my book. Um, I recently picked up the Gavin Harrison book. I think it's rhythmic illusions and it just smoked my head. Oh yeah. my gosh. Uh, you know, it's like, it's, that's the cool thing about drumming. And it's the, like the frustrating thing about drumming. Like you, you quote unquote master something, which you never really do, but yeah. then you like, you turn around and there's like 50,000 things behind you that you, you know, you could be doing and learning. It's like, Oh crap. Okay. So now I'm going to try this. And I love Gavin's playing. He's one of my, uh, I guess favorite modern players mm-hmm. um and just and he lays his concepts out very well but the concepts are just so deep that every once in a while i'm just like yeah i, I just I, I just gotta walk away <laughs> um as far as you know i guess more modern uh, there's just some dudes out there that uh i i love and adore uh i like virgil donati's you know videos that he puts up there and mike mangini and marco miniman and again those guys just smoke my head and i love it yep. And there's times I'm just like, I, I'm too dumb to figure this out. So I'm just going to enjoy it. It's just so cool. I'm just going to enjoy it. Um, and I feel that way, like about Billy Cobham. I've got just about every Billy Cobham album and he still astounds me. Buddy Rich, obviously, um, you know, my, my biggest rock and roll role models, Neil and mm-hmm. always imitated, uh, never equaled, yeah. you know, um, so even just the recordings, just going back and just, you know, putting on the cans and go, oh, wow, I never heard that. So, um, you know, it's some of the CP dudes that uh, are around. Chris Georgines, I love to put his stuff and Joe Beninati and mm-hmm. Andrew Warren. Um, those guys are killing it and and they're inspirational to me. It's like, OK, I need to get off my butt and do something today. Right. You know? So, yeah, Mike Mangini's. um the grid was one of those things for me that just changed the way that I look at drumming. Right. Yeah. And it it can be applied to your life too. And that it kind of goes back to what we were talking about. You know, drumming is about more than music. Very much so. so. It, it just, that's what I loved about the grid was it can be applied to anything that you do in your life. Yeah, it it yes. When you when you're able to find those resources that you can and with a, with a, for lack of a better term, compartmentalize. You can take it and put it here, and you can put it here and put it here, mm-hmm. so that it becomes a multi-use resource. I mean, that just seems like a no-brainer to me, you know. And yeah. that's the grid being one of those things, and it's still it's just <laughs> it's crazy. It really is. So. Um you kind of mentioned a few of these guys, but who, who got you into playing drums and like, who was your biggest influences on the drums? Um, my neighbor got me into playing. He showed up one day with a snare drum from a Mm -hmm. garage sale. And I'm like this, this, I must do this. And, um, 
you know, was in bands, you know, just like most kids. And, and, but through high school, uh, I was very fortunate that one of my band directors was a percussionist, trained percussionist, obviously. And he was a huge inspiration and, and studied, I studied privately, privately with him until he uh, moved on. And then, you know, my biggest resources, inspirations as, as people are, some of them are, are just people that I, I know. Like, you know, I've mentioned Gavin Harrison and Mike Mangini and, and Neil, but like some of my friends that I consider to be just excellent, not only excellent musicians, but excellent people. Right. Um, I have a friend that teaches at a small college in Michigan, and he's probably my favorite drummer. And he's phenomenal. He truly is phenomenal. Um, and so... But, you know, my go-to role model is, is Neil. Uh, my go-to for in jazz is actually Joe Morello. Um, my college professor was one of Joe's students. And uh, he spent a lot of time with him, not just studying, but throughout his life. Yeah. Uh, uh, spending time with Joe. You know, he's one of those, those students that was more than a student. Um, so he really turned us on to Joe and that style of just really relaxed playing in the table of time and, and just that different approach to swing uh, compared to Buddy, which is much more in your face and, and right. sometimes hard driving where Joe can drive, but it's just, it's just so smooth. So tasty. Yeah. So what is a common myth about drumming that you'd like to debunk? Common myth about drumming. Let me see. Uh, I, I, I mean, they're jokes, but it's it's kind of like those those drummer jokes about like, you know, drummers aren't musicians. Well, that's complete, you know, crap. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, again, some of these guys that I've mentioned, uh, they play extremely musically. Oh, right. my gosh. Uh, you know, uh, some of Max's Max Roach's uh, solo stuff. Oh, gosh, you know, the yeah. drum also waltzes. Right. You can't tell me that that's not musical. You can't right. tell me that that's not music. Um, Bill Bruford, uh, you know, you look at his stuff, either early yes or King Crimson or his stuff with Earthworks, uh, his stuff with Pat Mraz. I mean, it's extremely musical. So I think to me, you know, it's kind of corny and it's kind of cliche, but yeah, drummers are musicians, man. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that's something that um, in one of my, in one of the earlier episodes with Justin Cohen, he said the same thing. It's like all these drummer jokes, you know, they're funny, you know, you get a little chuckle out of them, but they're not true. Right. And so I, I love that. I, I, I believe the same thing. I mean, I get a chuckle out of them and I'll say one, you know, every once in a while loading in or loading out, you know, if I'm being slow or something, but you know, we're not to like toot our horns or anything, but we're some of the smartest people on the stage. All right. <laughs> Just because yeah. of all the, I mean, all four limbs are going at one time. We have to think about the time and all that. So, yeah, you know, not to call anybody else dumb like they do us, but no, 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 <laughs> no, I agree. I agree with that. You know, and I've often thought like the, the only other musician or instrumentalist I can think of that might have to be even more crazy uh, coordinated is like uh, an organ player that's yeah. doing the, the feet and the hands and the stops. Like to me, that's that almost that next crazy level of coordination because you're not, you know, we've got four limbs and I know, you know, some of the super drummers are doing sometimes two things at once with yeah. their feet. So you could say six things. Well, okay. We've got, you know, all 10 digits going and feet right. going. And it's like, <laughs> 
So I think, you know, aside from that, in terms of what we're doing at once, even if we're just sitting on a groove, there's multiple things going on. So, hmm. yeah, I, I tend to think that in terms of the, the, the pacing of our brain, I, I think it's pretty fast. Yeah. So and I know that you're, you're a teacher currently. Um, so, I mean, this probably comes up a lot of, a lot of times. What is advice that you would give a new drummer? Um, well, if they're young and they can get lessons, I, I would actually, you know, you know, I'm kind of double talking here. I'm saying you don't have to go to school, but if you can yeah. get a couple formal lessons as a young player to at least get technique headed in the right direction, that doesn't mean you have to stay with those lessons. But, mm -hmm. you know, I, I've worked with a couple of kids from, from schools outside of my district where, you know, they were doing the best that they could. And their teacher was doing the best they could and they weren't a percussionist. So, you know, their hands were, it, it really kind of, I don't want to say wrong, but just they weren't conducive to the next level of getting to where they wanted to go. So, you know, then you're breaking down some of those, those barriers mm -hmm. and kind of starting over. Um, but, you know, there's plenty of dudes out there that play really well that have, you know, I don't want to say crazy hand technique, but maybe unorthodox is what I would say, but especially those young ones and gosh, there's so much at their, their fingertips, you know, I mean, YouTube alone, if we had had that when we were kids, I, I probably wouldn't have had any friends, <laughs> <laughs> but that's, that's a good thing and a bad thing. I mean, I think there are, there are amazing resources out there going back to, you know, earlier or earlier topic, but, there are so many resources out there and it's just like, man, what do you, what do you listen to? Who do you listen to? Who do you follow? Because there are so many amazing teachers out there, but sometimes they're all doing the same thing in a different way. So, right. I mean, it, it just kind of for experienced players, you know, it's kind of like, okay, I can take this, and kind of mold it how I want to. But for beginners, you know, they see one thing done four different ways. They're not going to know which right. way to they're, go. They're not going to know how to decode it. What's best for them. <laughs> yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Um, and, and trying to decipher that, you know, it used to be, if you were looking for new music, you walked into a record store and you thumbed mm -hmm. through the bins and the CD bins. And, and now there's just so much more how do you same thing how do you how do you find the good from the bad and how much yep. time do you allot for that when you could be doing and maybe should be doing other things either musically or non-musically um so i find that you know if i have a friend that recommends hey this dude's channel is great yeah i'll check it out you know as opposed to just sitting for hours and hours on end on youtube you know um because again i could shoot a, a video lesson on a simple technique simple stroke yep it's already been done probably my guess is you know a hundred thousand times maybe. oh yeah so now i'm just adding to that glut yep. and do i really need to do that you know like my videos that i put up on instagram and on my facebook page yeah they, i'm playing i'm practicing i'm playing what i feel but i also know that <clears throat> i'm not the kind of guy that's probably gonna ever end up with you know maybe the most of my lifetime a thousand followers it'd be great if i could do that but you know, I'm just trying to share with people. And if it ends up that I'm sharing stuff that people like, then that's great. Yeah. 
So going back to the advice thing, if you could go back in time and give yourself advice for when you first started drumming, um, just one word of advice, what would that be? Uh, I would say use a metronome. Mm-hmm. Use a metronome religiously. And, yeah. and I, I, I used a metronome, but I didn't use it religiously until college. Yep. I would have told my younger self, metronome from day one. Just get that internal clock. Just, you know, there are some of those dudes that you, you swear they swallowed one and they, yeah. they're a living metronome, you know, and it's, it's phenomenal to me. It's just like mind blowing. And it makes life so much easier. I remember my first studio session, I'd been playing drums for about five years and I had you know, I knew what a metronome was, but I'd never used one. And I got in that studio session and the, the producer cut the metronome on. And I'm like, no, you got to cut that off. <laughs> like, I, I can't do that. He's like, well, it's going to make my job a lot easier. I'm like, yeah, it's going to make my job a lot harder because I've never used one before. Right. And so for the last, well, since I started playing at Epic, even a little bit before. Um, so probably seven years for the last seven years, I've not done a gig without a metronome. Yeah. And you get to the point where you, you feel comfortable with it. Like when I do my warmups, I use my metronome mm-hmm. when I'm doing, when I'm trying to figure out a, you know, like on my stand right now, I've got an old modern drummer article that it's, I, I haven't gotten to the point where I can actually do it with a metronome yet. Cause I'm still trying to figure out the mechanics of, of what's going on. Yeah. Um, and even at that tempo, I probably should be using a metronome, but I, I, you know, it's, it's that old, old dog new tricks type thing uh, mm-hmm. you know so I, I gravitate to the way i done things but uh yeah once i'm comfortable with the body mechanics then i put the you know the clock device the metronome click whatever so that then that feels good around that click but that's right. huge that's a, that internal clock thing is is so huge it really is and i i don't know if you've ever heard of it but there's a there's an app called the gap click i think it was benny greb that entered that created it and it's just a it's a metronome that it'll play for two measures and then it'll uh rest for two measures so you can set it to you know do however you want to but it really helps you just kind of build your internal clock and just kind of see where you're at and that's something that i've been using for the last year so what's that called again a gap click gap click okay all right see I'm, I'm never beyond learning anything. Yeah. Sometimes it's just trying to find the right time to do it and the right way to do it. You know, right. uh, I was talking with some teacher friends. Uh, when I say teacher friends, you know, I'm the only band director. So these are math English teachers. And uh, we were talking about just at our age and stage, because there's a lot of us that are close to retirement age. And I just said, if somebody's got a better way to do something, I'm at a point in my life that I'm like, lay it on me. Yeah. You know, uh, if there's a 20 year old hotshot drummer that says, Seth, you know, you, there's a better way that you can do this. Lay it on me, you know? Yeah. But when I'm in my own learning mode, I go old school. I'm like, I got to do it this way, which right. again, is it really the best way? I don't know. It's worked for me, but that doesn't mean it's the best way. Yeah. So, so this being the creative percussion podcast, of course, I want to focus on, you know, some of creative percussion. So, yeah. What was the first thing that you got that was creative percussion? And what was your interaction with Kevin like? Um, my first thing was the hex decks. And right. then I got the, uh, let's see, I'm, I'm looking at my setup here over my shoulder. Uh, then the, the hi-hat stack 
the little six stack. Um, so my interaction with Kevin from day one has been nothing but awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, I met him at Chicago drum show and I mean, I don't have a massive drum collection, but I probably got more than I need. Yeah. Um, but I go with my son my son's uh, now he's 15. So we started going when he was 13, I think 12 or 13. Mm-hmm. And of course he's a kid in candy store. Right. And I'm at a point where the things that I look for are, are, are weird things. Like I want a, a Peisty Novo China, or I want this particular Ludwig copper Timbali, you know, like these weird things. Right. Um, so there was really nothing there that I needed. I come upon this booth. I'm like, Oh, this is cool. What is this? And uh, so I started talking to this guy and, you know, of course it turns out to be Kevin. It's just this really cool stuff, cool sounds. Yeah. And so I didn't buy anything that day. And then, you know, I got home from Chicago and I started thinking about it. So I got on the website and emailed him and then uh, uh, I called him and we started talking. I told him I was a band director. He's like, Oh, really? <laughs> okay. I want you on this team. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I mean, we talk, pretty regularly not not voice to voice but we talk you know just about every day via text and that dude's he's genius oh, yeah. i mean i'm looking you know i'm looking at my my hex bells i'm looking at my splash bells uh the hex shakers i mean just these things that he he's heard them and he figured out a way to bring them from his head to the real world and i don't know that i i could do that yeah i was successfully I was having a conversation with him when he first introduced the popcorn snares. Well, before he introduced the popcorn snares, popcorn pancake drums. And uh, I was like, how do you think of this stuff? Like, do you just, do you not sleep? (laughs) (laughs) Right. I've I've asked him that same question. Yeah. So it's just, it it is, it's it's amazing. And I'm thankful for him, you know, not only asking me to do this podcast because I'm getting to meet so many fellow creative percussion artists and just getting to hear so many stories, but you know, just the conversations that I've had with him and he and Sherry both are nothing but kind to just everybody that they come in contact with. They are, they are number one in not even, I wouldn't even call it customer service. I would just call it personal human service. Yes. You know, and I feel that way. I've learned, it's been an interesting learning process with Kevin about what it is to be an endorser, because mm-hmm. I've also been learning this process with Arthur Stones through Senten. Mm-hmm. Because when, you know, when you and I were kids and we would send away those two for the $2 and you get the Tama catalog and, yep. you know, in the Ludwig catalog, and it's like, you hear about this and what these endorsement deals. Well, we got jaded on that because of, you know, Michael Jordan. Really, yeah. I mean, he started using Nike, but then they started paying him. So then we became of the mindset that if you're an endorser, then you're always getting free stuff and you're always yeah. getting paid. Well, you know, to endorse something is to publicly advocate for mm-hmm. and be be willing to buy it. So, you know, I have no problem putting my money into Sentent and into, you know, uh, creative percussion. I. I mean, I've got so much stuff here. I can't even put it on my rig. Um, I mean, what you see behind me, that's like my jazz setup, but like yeah. off to the other side, it's just huge. And it's like almost all creative percussion. And I love it. Um, 
And the one thing that I am very, very grateful for is I've got a space down here. I could just leave it set up yeah. so I can swap stuff out and record some stuff. But yeah, Kevin and Sherry are just, they're incredible. They're incredible people. They're incredible salesmen. Kevin is a, a genius, um, you know, and free to, free to, he freely shares his knowledge, you know, mm -hmm. and it's like, and he, and he takes feedback very, um, very graciously. You know, it's not like, well, screw you, I'm going to do it this way anyways. Yeah. He might come to that, but he doesn't ever go about it in that way. He's like, eh, let's try it. And then if it doesn't work, you know, he goes back and does it the way that he feels is the best way. It's his company, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And, you know, I, I kind of echo you on the on the endorsement front. I, I endorse Los Cabos drumsticks. Okay. And um, but for a little while, I endorsed Vader. And that was, for me, a dream. You know, holy right. crap, I'm endorsing one of the biggest drumstick companies out there. But I was such a small fish in a huge pond that I didn't have the aspect of that that I wanted, which was a relationship. Right. I was one of those people who was, and I'm still, I have been off, I have not been a Vader artist for about two years, and I'm still on the website. Oh, that's really? how that's how little they you know kind of saw me i guess right um so you know it was it was an awesome experience but it, it goes back to i kind of want to support these little companies you know and put these little companies and their names out there and not to call creative percussion a little company or even los cabos because los cabos has been around since 2005 they're one of the biggest drumstick manufacturers in canada and one of the only manufacturers or the only manufacturer who uses red hickory uh, along with white hickory and maple. So I don't want to, you know, make them diminish them by calling them little, but at the same time, you know, aside, uh, beside Vader, you know, they are a little company. Right. Yeah. Well, and I think too, I, I, again, like you said, I think that's a relative term. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when we talk, uh, you know, percussion, you know, okay, if you're going side by side, create a percussion compared to Latin percussion. Yeah. Okay. You know, that's, that's just apples and oranges, but, right. you know, being able to find these small companies um, that you can support, and you're willing to support. I, I really, I, I enjoy it. And I enjoy being able to interact with, you know, Kevin and Sherry and yep. some of these other companies that I've, you know, found along the way. Doc Sweeney drums is another one. Uh, mm -hmm. I love Steve Stetcher's work. Um, and there are, and there are many other smaller drum companies that focus on their relationship along with right. their quality builds. And, you know, that's just one that I happen to gravitate to. And, you know, had it not been for Chicago drum show, uh, you know, I don't know if I would have found Kevin as soon as I did. My guess is I eventually would. I love yeah. weird sounds anyways. Even if I can't necessarily use them in my cover band, I still love them and I want to have them, yeah. you know, in my arsenal. Yeah, to me, it's it's about that relationship. I don't care the discount that I get or the free stuff that I get. You know, that's just, that's second for me. You know, I want that relationship. And, that, and that's what I love about, you know, being a creative percussion artist is I have that relationship with Kevin. Well, being a Los Cabos artist, I have that relationship with Phil and all the folks down there, you know, so that's, that's it for me. I, I, I dislike when people go, I'm getting this and I'm looking for this endorsement because I want free gear. That's not what it's about. 
No. And it took me a while to figure that out, mm-hmm. it, you know, because of that mindset of what we were shown right. as younger, as a younger generation um, and the catalogs and mm-hmm. TV and mags, you know, it's just, it kind of becomes, you see it. So you assume that, that if you, that you're endorsed, that you're getting free stuff, you're getting money mm-hmm. as opposed to that company's endorsing you, you're endorsing them. And yeah. if it, goes the way that you want it to or you feel it should it's it's about a relationship you know i like knowing that i could pick up the phone if i need to or wanted to and and talk to kevin yeah and it may not even necessarily be about drumming you Mm -hmm. know um i feel that way about my drumstick maker um leroy uh makes my sticks and uh, you know feel that way about arthur I feel that way about Steve Stetcher. Yeah, it's, it's about a relationship. Again, yeah. it truly is. Knowing that I, I, I feel like I'm, I'm valued, you know, as opposed to you have this roster that's 300 people big. It's like, yeah. oh, okay, sure, you know. So say somebody sees you wearing a creative percussion shirt. They're a new drummer, and they come up to you and say, hey, what is creative percussion, you know, and you give them the spill about what creative percussion is. What is one thing that you would suggest that person to get from creative percussion that would kind of oh, introduce them to it? I got to go back to the hack, the hex stacks, you know, yeah. uh, cause you know, I'll, I'll throw one on my snare drum and get that weird sound with the, uh, you know, with the, the leather strap, I'll put it in a small snare basket. I'll put it on a, like one of the cowbell holders and I'll, I'll put it down with a, a a clamp mm-hmm. uh that'd be the first one that i would say and then the second one probably the the can shaker that you put on your hi-hat you can adjust yeah. that because mm-hmm. there's you know you, that makes you work on your left foot you know kevin's come yeah. up with a, some cool stuff that i'm like oh my left foot sucks way worse than i thought it did <laughs> this is a, this is an expose instrument is what it is um but i really you know and the concept is simple, but you start to look at the design and there's <laughs> time, effort, and money has been mm-hmm. put into this to, for something that looks, it's a tin can, but it's more than that, you know? Right. So let's say somebody wants to get into teaching at the level that you're at. What is mm-hmm. some advice that you would give them for that? Uh, find a mentor. If you're going to do this and you're going to do it well, find a mentor. And it doesn't even necessarily have to be um, someone that plays your instrument. It doesn't even necessarily have to be uh, another band director, uh, just uh, uh, an educational mentor. I've, I've been very fortunate. Uh, <clears throat> my college professor, while he was still alive, was was a mentor to me. But then I had some veteran teachers. You know, my first, second year, I'm green as green, you know, not knowing my my ass from a hole in the ground and you know will they came in look you're about to screw i mean literally you're about to screw this up here's what you need to do so um and right up to today uh my building principal at the high school um yes he's my boss he's a friend but he's also a really good mentor so i can't underestimate the value of a good mentor and it should change over time it shouldn't be necessarily the same person your your entire career, um, you know. As you become maybe more seasoned, more uh, experienced, find someone that's 
a little more experienced than you are, or maybe somebody that's got a different perspective on their career on the backside so that you don't, uh, so you don't lose yourself at the end of your career. You know, you get so burned out that you, you lose it, you know, which is, would be a, a travesty for anyone that goes into teaching. Yeah. I've one of my now best friends is also my mentor. Um, and he's actually the worship leader at the church that I that I lead worship at, and he's been th- with me through musical things. He's been with me through non-musical things. So I mean, I, I would echo that. Just find a mentor, someone who's. He and I talked the other day, and he was like, "Yeah, I'm. I've been so happy to be, th- you know, walk through something that I've been walking through the past couple of years with you." And he's like, it's just been amazing to see you grow and to see you become, you know, what you need to be in that position. And so it's just, it's important, no matter what you're doing, to have a mentor and to have somebody who is just going to stand beside you and push you to be better than you think you can be. Yeah, I think to, to honestly think to yourself that you can handle life by yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, and even if you have a wonderful partner, yeah. you know, it you still need a mentor. You know, yeah. I, that that mentor can give perspective on things that maybe your partner can't, um, or maybe things that uh, another family member couldn't give perspective on. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I just for anyone to think that they can walk the walk through life without some sort of sounding post, some sort of guidepost, some sort of lighthouse, uh, and that's it's a hard way to live it really is yeah so um you mentioned earlier you know valuing people's time and everything and i do i want to value your time and everything so i want to take it out on this and i appreciate you being on uh this episode of the creative percussion podcast um give us a shout out on your social media you know where can we follow you at where can we find you anything you have coming up just let everybody know where to find you and where uh, well, what you're doing on Instagram. You can find me uh, at average Joe drummer uh, because that's what I am. I'm just an average Joe drummer. Uh, my Facebook page is just, is just Seth Kilborn. And I have some of that stuff on there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have um, jazz because uh, quartet. That's my jazz group. And then my, my duo that I, I play in is uh, it's super creative it's Logan and Seth. <laughs> I, 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 when we came up with the name, I told my buddy, I'm like, we, they, everyone knows who we are. If we yeah. do anything else, it's going to be, they're not going to know who we are. I said, just put our names on there. So you can find all, you know, all that stuff on Facebook, you know, and as far as what else I've got going on, um, just plugging away with marching band season. Uh, I started my steel drum rehearsals, with my high school students this week. So, you know, the, the uh, rehearsal calendars filling up. Yeah, and that, I'm, I'm loving that, you know, all this pre-COVID, and I hate to get political with this, but I'm, I'm loving that shows are coming back and tours are coming back and yes. just everything is back to as normal as we can be. Oh, yeah, for sure. Well, and music really is a social thing. It's a show, social happening. Most kids that join band, they, they do it with their friends. 
you know, well, I want to be in band, but yeah. they're joining because their friends are joining too, right. you know? And so there's a, you know, and it remains social. If they are part of my program, it's a very social thing. And I recognize and acknowledge that. And sometimes, you know, I don't want to say cater to that, but I know that that's when they're, they feel tight and they feel safe. Yeah. Um, so yeah, to be able to go to shows and to be able to do bar gigs and to be able to gather you know, I, I don't know that I'm ready to go see an arena show quite yet, but just it feels good to be able to have those things for sure. Yeah, it really does. And just seeing a lot of these big bands come and like you, I'm I don't think I'm going to go to an arena anytime soon. But, you know, just seeing, you know, some of my friends kind of pick things back up and, you know, some of my bands are talking about, you know, picking up some shows and stuff like that and just seeing the church that I play at fill back up. Um, we had to go back. We had to go down to one service instead of two because we, everything was so spread out. But I mean, now we're getting to where we're getting to capacity in our one service. So we're going to have to go back to two services. So it's just good to see everybody open everything, opening back up. And, you know, I don't, I, I won't say the fear going away, but the, the knowledge of what's going on kind of being amped up to where people are comfortable to go out and do things instead of just we got to stay away from public and everybody like right. they were at the beginning of everything so yeah for sure yeah and just again like you said getting as close to normal as we can that's right. that's my biggest hope for my students this year is like yeah we're planning on a holiday concert <laughs> cross those fingers but you know, it's yeah. on the schedule for right now and, and just remaining hopeful is, is, is what we're doing. Yeah. And that's all you can do. I mean, Amen. even, even before COVID, that's all you could do. So, yeah. yep. well, again, I appreciate you coming on. I appreciate your time and, um, hopefully we'll, I, I plan on hopefully having a round table at some point in time of just guests who have been on and adding Kevin into it and everything. So I'm hoping to get you on during that. And um, that'd be great. And uh, we'll talk again soon. All right. Sounds good. Thank you for having me on. Absolutely. Thank you. All right.